This is Jason Albert, and you are listening to the Devin Kershaw Show from Faster Skier. Just like yesterday, we're going to jump right in with post-race comments from Stage 2's Skate Sprint in Lenzerheide, Switzerland. You have a preference where we go, where we start? Yeah, let's let's like we can we can we can jump right into it with the women. Okay, let's do that. The sprint today for the women. I don't know. They obviously don't listen to me, thank God, because they're busy crushing it on the tour de ski. But the American women were right back at it. And to see Sadie and Jesse in the final, like we talked about yesterday, this was so important. It was so important that those two women made the final, and they did today. And that puts them in a really, really good place moving forward. I mean, 10K individual start free in Toblock. That's Jesse's favorite course probably in the world. And now you can see her in the results. I mean, she's 11th in the overall, which doesn't seem like that crazy good. But then just dig into the times a little bit. And she's only roughly 40 seconds. She's 39 seconds off the lead of Neprieva. So she did exactly what she needed to do today. What a wonderful turnaround. Obviously, it was the skis. It was the equipment. But still, I really, 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 really was impressed with all the American women for mentally putting a tough day with the equipment side of things in a tour when they know it, the pressure's on now and they delivered. It was uh, it was a great race by all the American women, I thought. Yeah, so one thing I was thinking about that sort of mental piece and in a course that's definitely spectator-friendly, you know, two loops around to constitute, you know, 1.5K, a couple of cool kind of man-made features in terms of hills, some fast corners. When you're in an environment like that where you can't, and it, and it was tight racing, right? There were there were a couple of crashes here and there. Oh, super tight. How do you block out like, okay, I can't screw up. I can't fall, oh. right? I just need to advance. So skiing conservative, conservatively, but at the same time, like maybe wanting to be out in front or out of traffic. How do you navigate that? No, navigating that is really, really challenging, especially for someone like Diggins or, or Sadie when they know they know this is important. They know they have to go deep in the sprint to try and get back on track in the overall standings. Both those both those women are overall contenders for this tour to ski and they know that. And I mean, I thought you saw Diggins in the quarterfinal. I mean, she was pressing hard early and it yeah. cost her big time. She was fourth in the quarterfinal. Yep. But at the same time, what a great strategy. When you're in a heat, you're in the first heat, you have a lot of break. Your chance is, of course, one and two is guaranteed to move on to the semi. But she took a chance, she drilled it, and in so in doing so, she ended up fourth in her heat, but it didn't matter. She moved all the way through to the final, great semifinal by Jesse as well. And then she finishes fourth on the day. Um, but for sure, I think those are the kind of decisions you need to make. It's tight, it's hard. Like you said, some corners, you see Dahlquist, Dahlquist mm-hmm. crashing again in the final. Um, so, oof, you know, it's, uh, you gotta, you gotta play heads up out there. And I thought they did a great job doing that. But to be honest in, in the day, I think they're all the women or the women we're talking about right now, especially the American, we're spending some time on the American women, but they have a lot of experience racing sprint heat. So I don't think they think too, too much about that, but I'm sure there was some butterflies in their stomach before the start of those quarterfinals when they know they can't afford to lose another minute. You know, they lost a minute 20 on day one. They can't afford to lose. Well, they wouldn't have lost a minute, but they, they can't afford to be bumped out in the quarterfinals and be fifth or sixth in their quarterfinal heat. So I thought it was um, I thought it was really, really, really amazing what they did today. And I'm really looking forward to Toe Block 10K Skate, both those women. It's a great course for them. And that'll be super, super exciting to follow. 
Okay, so let's put a couple things in context before we go into on, into the guy's side here. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, Neprieva from Russia is leading at 31.18, like total elapsed time. Um, and that's with like kind of bonuses incorporated into uh, those times from the sprint day. Uh, Yohawk sits in third at 31.23, you know, just a five second deficit there, really not much. Uh, Heidi Vang in fifth at 31.34. And, you know, just looking at some, some names of some reputable skiers moving into a series of distance events, Osberg in seventh at 31.45. So she's within striking distance for uh, Bjornsson and Diggins at this point, you know, roughly t- 12 seconds ahead. I mean, it's, it's tightened up considerably. Are you surprised, or like if you're an Osberg at this point, or a Heidi Vang, um, what might you be thinking about? Oh, I think you're just looking ahead. You're trying to recover as best you can. You do that short trip to, over to toe block and you get, you, you, you just reassess how things going, how things go. I mean, Ingveld, of course, it was a bit disappointment. She didn't make the heats. She was 32nd though. That's just outside. And she, you know what? She has not been a strong sprinter the last few years, which is strange, right? Because she was second in the Olympic sprint in 2014, right. but she really, really made mm-hmm. a conscious effort to turn herself into a distance skier a la Yohug. And it's worked. She's been an amazingly strong distance skier. You saw that yesterday. She skied beautifully. But uh, in the sprints, it cost her. Like you said, it has tightened up considerably. I think toe block should open things up a little more. But to be perfectly frank, I feel like it should stay fairly tight till that Val de Fiem 10K Classic, the Mass Start Classic on the 3rd of January. When that one is over, then we're going to see the splinters in, in the field. And that's when you're going to see Yohug really take control of this tour to ski, I think. And I mean, I really want to say to Lampich, what a great way to win. Ola Vigan Hadestad is the coach there in Slovenia and how she did that yeah. last 100 meters to win that race. That was a classic Ola Vigan. I mean, coming out of the turn with a lot of jam and then putting on the afterburners with this big, strong, powerful technique to take the win like that. What a, what a great day for, for Lampich. What a great day for Slovenia. And also what a great day for cross-country skiing. Honestly, it's nice to see Central Europeans win. Every once in a while, or Americans win. Every once in a while, or Canadians. Come on, Canada. <laughs> They're not even at the tour. But, um, I mean, it's nice to see some other some other women mixing it up. And that's why I'm really excited about the the women's field in general of this World Cup this season. There's a lot of names that can win. And, and great for Lampich and great for the sport. But like you said, pretty tight right now. That was to be expected when you had a 3K course that wasn't that challenging uh, yesterday. And then the sprint today, of course, it gave some distance between the women um, purely on the bonuses. So lots of exciting stuff, but the fact that Yohug is five seconds off the lead means nothing. She'll eat that up, no problem. But really sure. look to Ingveld and Jesse in that 10K skate in, in Toblock. It's, it, the course is very easy. It is very gradual, and Jesse is so good from the top of that course in Toblock down into the stadium. She's done this so many times, made up time, won World Cups there. And also Ingveld, you saw her yesterday with her technique, and that was in traffic. Now, when she's out there by herself, her technique is looking absolutely phenomenal right now. It's going to be a great 10K skate on New Year's Eve. One last thing for the women before we jump over to the guy's side is that evidently prior to stage one, and I don't know if you caught wind of this, uh, their fists asked, uh, I, from my understanding, maybe it was at the coaches meeting, I'm not sure, but... Fist asked for the teams to vote on whether or not to keep time bonuses for stage one, uh, the mass start skate. 
and the vote was to not include those time bonuses. So yesterday when I was kind of wrapping up and writing the story, I kept on looking for, you know, some times that had time bonuses factored in, factored in because they were supposed to be included in both the mass starts and the sprint. Um, so they weren't included. And the word is, or was that, and I'm paraphrasing here, it was to sort of yohog proof the standings, you know, sort of like they used to tiger woods proof, <laughs> like the master's course, right. They right. lengthened everything. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Of course. Yeah, just to kind of get your thoughts on that. I mean, that was, I mean, there was no notification that came at, that I ever saw from FIS. That's strange. No, I didn't either. And that, that part of it is strange. The fact that you're waiting till the, the 11th hour to make a decision like that, that is strange. On the other side of the coin, I think it is fine and good, quite frankly, to cut out some of these bonus, bonus times at the finish line. Reason being, if you look back over the last few years, the sprint bib, the sprint jersey and the sprint jersey standings for the tour de ski has been full of amazing distance skiers that can't they can't compete in the sprints reason being for that every stage they're picking up minimum 15 seconds which are converted into 15 bonus points and also with the intermediate sprints during the races and i think that just weakens the competition it's just really really strange right it's hard it's like oh you're wearing the sprint bib and you haven't never been in a semifinal in a world a normal world cup in sprinting this seems strange uh and like you said they want to try and yog proof the race good luck with that you're finishing with a 4k uphill up a alpine hill so that will be impossible to do but i do appreciate that they're trying to keep it a little tighter the women's field actually the bonus sprints haven't been that crazy but the men's you know, when you have these 15Ks that where there's a lot of bonuses out on course and then the bonuses every single time at the finish line. If you think back to when Ustigov won the Tour de Ski, he won five stages that year and then it was just a bonus city and there was no way you were going to catch up with him because he had just amassed this ungodly amount of bonus seconds. So good on Fist for trying to keep it a little tighter. I think it was time to, to get rid of some of these bonus seconds. The, the way they did it, a little strange. But at the end of the day, it doesn't seem to affect things too much. And like you said, on the women's side especially, you have Yohug. She's sitting third. She's five seconds back from the lead. But Tira Wang sitting in fourth. Amazing stuff there. Eight seconds off the lead. Heidi, she's back a bit now at 16 seconds off the lead. But it's a lot tighter. So it's... um. Yeah, not the worst decision you ever made. It's just really funny that you do that now. I mean, everyone knew the tour de ski was coming, so I don't know why they waited to now. But hopefully, the athletes obviously aren't focusing on that whatsoever. But uh, for the staff, it gets a little. It, it just seems a little silly to wait to the last possible second. Okay, um, some recognizable names at the top of the standings in both the sprint for the men's today and the overall standings. The young guy from Norway is sitting in first. So probably no surprise there. No, no surprise that Claybo dominated. I was a little surprised that the Russians chose to ski their semifinal the way they did with Bolshinov and Ustigov and neither one of them moving on to the final. Feel like that was a small tactical mistake there, but at the end of the day, Claybo like just an incredible sprint finish that last 100 meters. He is a yeah. absolute beauty to watch. Anybody that any young skiers out there if you want to have a textbook technique analysis to look through look at that side angle shot of claybo turning on the afterburners with 100 meters to go no surprise that he won really amazing sprint by by uh, pellegrino today that was a great sprint and he moves himself up into 11th in the overall standings so that was uh i feel like the final having 
having uh, uh, Claybo, Pellegrino, and Juve one, two, three. We've seen that so many times. You know, we've seen it just so many times. I feel like it was a very predictable podium. Yeah, very. Predictable. Yeah, exactly. With um, Claybo, Pellegrino, and Juve skate sprint. Nothing. No big surprises there. Here's a couple big surprises. Emil Everson sixth in his quarterfinal he was fourth the day before so he had a great day the day before and and then sixth in his quarterfinal but i've been reading and i heard from my wife who's on the ground there and working for norwegian tv he's a little worried he says he's not feeling himself he's he's quoted as saying like i'm not a doctor but i know things aren't working that well today i had a bad night yesterday so that was a bit surprising. And then you see him fall all the way down to 10th in the standings. And then I really, really want to say Jan Thomas Jensen, before this tour de ski, best World Cup result, 52nd. Now he has been 8th and 17th back-to-back. He's sitting 9th in the overall standings. He's on a Videka team, one of those training centers that we've talked about in an earlier episode. And then Martin Nienge, he was 5th and 12th. So... His best World Cup ever was fourth. Yesterday he was fifth. And then now to follow that up with a semifinal appearance and sitting seventh in the standings. I really amazing stuff by Nienge and also the whole team in Lana, which is which is the um <laughs> the training center that's based here in Lillehammer. They had a new coach this year. It was uh it's Marta Christofferson, so those that follow skiing might recognize that name from back in the days. So he was an old teammate of my my wife's. Had some decent races on the World Cup. I mean, she's been on the podium on the World Cup before. Um, so definitely no slouch. And took over that team. Doesn't have a whole lot of coaching experience. And there was some grumblings like, oh, is this the right direction to go? But Magni Smesas, like the the, the the surprise Norwegian on the women's side that's having a great season. Hovart Togbo is on that team. He has already has a podium uh, in Davos in the sprint. And then Nienga now is sitting seventh in the sprint standings after being fifth yesterday. So I think a lot of the critics have been silenced and that has been a great run of results already here before New Year's for, for Team Inlana and Norway. So that that's that's kind of exciting for the mega dorks out there. <laughs> which is which is not our listeners, but but still I thought it I thought I thought it I thought it is interesting. I think it is interesting that um because uh, like I said earlier, you know, some of these young Norwegians, they don't have great support. They really don't. And the fact that they're able to compete at a high level like that is uh, that should be inspiring for those in Canada and the U.S. as well. You can do it. You don't have to have everything handed to you. You can a lot of hard work and belief can make it happen as well. OK, two two things I want to drill down on a little bit. And first is uh, just to get some more details. Why did you think there was a, maybe a tactical error error with Yustigoff uh, and Bolshinov? Uh, in the same semi. Oh, well, you know what? I the, the the reason for that is I just they they took it out so slowly. They they really really took it out slowly, and they were messing around for the first fifty seconds, going slow. And I'm like, guys, you're in a semifinal with Claybo, Pellegrino, even Volness, who's been so strong this year. Is this the right strategy? Do you really want to play with fire if you're Bolshunov? I was really surprised that he didn't just hit it like Jesse hit it in her quarterfinal and just go guns a blazing and go for that lucky loser spot because it's big time bonuses you can win by moving through to the final. And instead, <laughs> they tried to play at this tactical this tactical game when really, okay, Ustigov should have been better than he was, but Bolshinov, there's no way against Baldness, Pellegrino, and Klebo in a sprint finish 
if you're going to go easy the first 50 seconds, of course you're not beating those guys. So I thought that was I thought that was a tactical error. I really do. And now they got bounced. And I don't think it's going to cost them too too much. But at the same time, like you said, without these time bonuses, without these small with these small changes, every second counts in the men's. The men's field is really tight. No one has a clear advantage over anyone else. And especially with the hill climb coming, and then you have the 15k that I keep talking about in Val de Fiam. Just watch it. That hill, that course is tough, so that'll that'll create some distance. I thought it was an opportunity lost for the two strong Russians. Yeah. So when you when we do look at these, like the time bonuses, for example, on the men's side, Klebo gets a 60 second time bonus. Bolshinov, who sits in second overall, got a 30 second time bonus, and he now sits 32 seconds behind Klebo. And, uh, yeah, is that, that's kind of a, that, that's a pretty sizable lead. Oh, that's something. But, the, but Klebo will lose to Bolshinov most likely in the 10, in the 15K skate in Toblock interval start. Bolshinov will, and, and Ustigov, they'll be very strong there. But then the pursuit will bring it all back mm-hmm. uh, because that's just how it is, especially on that course. It's a flat course. It suits, it suits Klebo really well. He had an amazing pursuit there a number of years ago. Uh, amazing classic pursuit to bring back a lot of time and then win um, in a World Cup in a normal World Cup and then and then it really Valdecam just matters so much this year. I mean, you have the 15k mass start on a very difficult course that's big, but then you have a classic sprint on a championship course as well uh, on the fourth of January. That's really important. And then of course the the hill climb is a sideshow, but it's a sideshow that bites and there could be a lot of changes. And like you've said too, the fact that they're trying out the mass start format this year that'll be exciting too. So. 30 seconds right now doesn't mean a whole lot, but it will be more than 30 seconds by the time the 15K free is over in Toblock for stage three because Bolshinov and Ustigov should have Claybo's number there. All right. There's the prediction. Sounds great. Thanks. Yeah. So it's a, no worries. It's a, it's an exciting tour so far. And, and even though it was a real mess for that men's, um, 15k yesterday where we're just elbows and knees and poles and skis and just a, just kind of a nightmare out there on a too too easy a course uh, for a 15k free, and that's what you get. A lot of a lot of athletes that are a little disappointed uh, or not disappointed, just kind of frustrated. But today, I thought it was a great, amazing event, and Linsa Haida does a great show. So it was uh, like you said, very very spectator friendly for us that are sitting on the couch watching from afar, but also for those that are on site. I thought it was a uh, it's a really amazing venue. So hats off to Switzerland, and uh, we look forward to changing gears and moving over to Italy. All right. You have a good morning Perfect. or a good afternoon. Yeah, thanks. You have, yeah, exactly. Drink a lot of coffee, Jason. Yeah, I'm, I'm well on my way. <laughs> Cheers. So take care. Bye.